This is the Smart Communications Smart Communications Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices voices, voices. Developing, developing the, the voices, voices determine nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck. Welcome to the Smart Communications Podcast. I'm your host Sarah Durham. And I'm joined today by Vince Warren, the Executive Director at the Center for Constitutional Rights. Hi, Vince. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming today. Tell us a little bit about the Center for Constitutional Rights. Well, CCR is a 50-year-old organization, and we are a litigation and advocacy organization, and we partner with social movements, people that are on the ground, and communities under threat. And together, we work to dismantle oppression in the fight for justice. So for those of you who don't know Vince or the Center for Constitutional Rights, you are in for a treat. Prior to coming to CCR, Vince was a national senior staff attorney with the ACLU. He litigated civil rights cases there, and he's focused on affirmative action, racial profiling, criminal justice reform. He's also been involved in all kinds of groundbreaking social justice work. But you might know him because he's a frequent guest on MSNBC, Democracy Now!, he's appeared on Moyers and Company with Bill Moyers, CNN, even Fox News. Fox News. And Vince is one of those rare examples of an executive director who really understands how to leverage media relations. And so I wanted him to come and talk a little bit with us about that today. You can follow Vince on Twitter at Vince Warren. And so let's dig in. Vince, how long have you been the CEO of the center? I've been executive director for 12 years. And when I started, we had, I think, what was typical of maybe 19 people. We had one communication staff, and their job was primarily just to draft press releases and statements in our advocacy work in order to support and let people know what we were doing. Having been there for 12 years, I've realized that there's actually a much more robust function that communications can and frankly should have particularly in advocacy organizations where the goal is to not only inform people about your work, but you're always asking three questions. What do we want? The second question is who's going to give it to us? And the third question is what do they need to hear? And the communications piece is really key to those kind of key messages that the change makers that we're looking to influence want to hear. And it seems like you've really built a kind of a machine around this. It's not just the staff, but it's a kind of cultural consciousness about the power of media relations, specifically with advocacy. How do you think about it? What are the components that make that machine successful for you? Well, one of the things that I've learned, I was part of the Rockwood Leadership Group a number of years ago, and there's this uh, concept called the wheel of change. And to change anything, you have to change three things simultaneously. You have to change structures, behaviors, and attitudes and beliefs. And I, it occurred to me that in our work as an advocacy group, as litigators, what litigation essentially does, particularly when we're doing big cases like Guantanamo or stop and frisk or ending solitary confinement, that we're really looking to shift and change structures through litigation. Our advocacy work is about changing behaviors and how policymakers feel and what they're going to go to bat for. And the communications piece is really about changing attitudes and beliefs. And it does require a change. So there are people that are on our side and they just need to see you show up on television and like, I love those guys. I love Let's, let's go for it. But there are a lot of people that are on the fence about things or that they have certain assumptions about things. And so the communications function really is an advocacy tool that helps shape those beliefs, which are really important in terms of that entire wheel. I've said this to you offline, and I've said this to a lot of people. I have become dubious of the power of media relations 
in many contexts for nonprofits, but the place where I really feel strongly it is effective is with that. It's with advocacy. It's in kind of um, shaping the hearts and minds of how people who are either kind of undecided about something feel or kind of reinforcing something that we want from our core advocates. It's about mind share and visibility. I think that's right. And I'll give you an example of, I think, where it's been really effective. So we at CCR, Center for Constitutional Rights, had litigated the stop and frisk case. And that case actually went on for 13 years. And as we were getting to the trial, I remember that somebody in our advocacy staff put up one of those big, hairy, audacious goals. And the election was coming up. Bloomberg was term limited, finally. And they put the big goal up that said, we want this to be the number one issue in the mayoral election, stop and frisk. And I thought that was just crazy, right? That's just not going to happen. We're lawyers. What do, we, what do we know from that kind of stuff? Well, it turns out that through the media work, we were able to take some of the information that we got in the case. We worked with the New York Times. The New York Times did an amazing series of articles where they talked about stop and frisk in almost every single neighborhood in New York. And that had the effect of shifting people's views about stop and frisk from one where it was community safety that we need more cops because if they stop and frisk, the bad guys will be safer to one of social justice that I can't believe that they're just stopping and frisking random black people in every single neighborhood of New York, whether they've done anything or not. So that's a really good example of, I think, how advocacy can use communications to really shift the way people actually perceive the issue. Yeah, and then in that case, communications really becomes a programmatic strategy. It's not an organizational strategy per se. So let's talk about how in that example, for instance, if you're collaborating with media like the New York Times, you're working with people who are probably pretty politically aligned with some of the issues you're working with. What happens when you go on Fox News? How do you manage changing minds and behaviors if you're trying to reach people who may be on the other side of an issue? Fox News is a really good example of sort of taking a hit for the team. It is one of the least pleasant experiences in life. It's there with root canal and, uh, (laughs) you know, pop-up math tests in junior high school. But from what I heard, that maybe 51% of the audience doesn't necessarily agree with the politics. So you also have to look at the idea of how big the market share of Fox is, and it's huge. It's in every, if you've been in a hotel room, you're looking for MSNBC, you don't get it, you know, what do you have, Fox? So strategically, it made sense to do it because there were a number of people that you could reach. The problem is, is that in order to reach them, you have to get past the hosts, which is a disaster. Two quick stories about it where I learned how Fox News does their stuff. One, I was doing something on Guantanamo and it was on Fox and Friends sitting in there in the morning on the couch with the nicely coiffed people. And I was wiping the floor with them with facts and figures. And I get off the show and a friend of mine shows me the link. Every time I made a point, they would show those Al-Qaeda dudes on the monkey bars. That's all they would show and not me. So it was reinforcing the sphere message. Wow. And then the other time I was on Megyn Kelly talking about killings in Ferguson and I was on her show and I kept stopping. She kept interrupting me and I'm like, why am I stopping talking? And I realized that they were turning the volume down in my earpiece. And so I would stop talking so I could hear myself and she would insert herself. So there are all of these tactics that Fox uses, but- You know, it's still worth getting out there because I actually got more feedback from people who saw me on Fox than I generally do if I've been on other outlets. Well, and it's interesting, too, because you are obviously out there speaking about issues that are right at the forefront of the national conversation. So you're probably in a hotter seat than most of the listeners on this podcast will hopefully find themselves in. But let's talk about how you prepare for that. I mean, if you are a novice to media relations, do you recommend media training? How have you gotten yourself up to snuff so you can handle those situations? 
Media training is, I think, a necessity. And I think for any novice or new executive director or leader that's been around for a while but just doesn't do this, you think, ugh, that's the last thing I need is another training session. What are they going to tell me that I don't know? But there are a lot of tools and techniques that are actually really key to getting your message across. And sometimes if you're on television, it doesn't actually come out of your mouth. It comes out of your eyes, your message. And people mm. really react to how you're delivering what you're saying even more than what you're actually saying. You know, the relationship between facts and figures and values are really important. People react and are moved by values and they can get really confused when we get wonky with the facts and figures, even though that's the proof that we have that what we're challenging is wrong. So media training, I think, is really, really essential. And so you're connecting with their values. And and I would imagine as a lawyer, this is particularly a challenge to strip out the jargon and make it human and kind of help people relate, right? Oh, totally. And I think it actually applies internally as well. Center for Constitutional Rights is a union shop. And so periodically we'll have union negotiations. And when we run into a problem, I find that it's really helpful to start negotiating from values as opposed to start negotiating from positions. Mm. And it's amazing how people will opt into the question of shared values internally. I mean, we all have the struggle trying to message internally in our organizations, but values really gets you there, particularly if people believe what you're saying. And I think it's true in the media context as well, that you're really persuading people by inviting them to share values with you and then leading them through a process of how you see those values being actualized. Awesome. So just to wrap this up, if you were going to give somebody who's kind of a rookie a couple of suggestions of do's or don'ts, or maybe if you could go back in time and coach Vince of 20 years ago, what would you say? I would say the number one thing for me, from my perspective, is talking slowly. We always have a lot to say and very little time to say it. And so it's better to not get everything that you need out, but not look like an insane, crazy person (laughs) as you're doing it. That's number one. I think number two is to stick to your message. I think one of the most valuable things is that you're not answering the question that they're asking. You're there to get messages across regardless. You don't want to look like a jerk. You don't want to look like you're evasive. You want to look like you're having fun, even as you're sweating and looking into this little box. And that takes practice. And so I would say practice, practice, practice. You can't have enough dry runs for a media hit that you're going to do. I think there's a quote, you don't answer the question they've asked you, you answer the question you wish they had asked you. Right, exactly. That's really useful. Great. Well, Vince, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been great. Thanks so much, Sarah. And you can find the Center for Constitutional Rights at ccrjustice.org or follow Vince on Twitter at Vince Warren. If you are like me, you are probably listening to this podcast on your iPhone. And a lot of people don't know that you can rate and review podcasts pretty easily on an iPhone, but it's a little bit buried. So I wanted to tell you how to do that. And I'm hoping that if you like this podcast, you'll take a minute to scroll down, rate it, review it, maybe share it. So what you do is open up your podcast app library and click on the Smart Communications Podcast. You'll see all of our episodes there. So if there's something you've missed and you want to go back and check it out, you can do so there. And as you scroll down, you'll see a section that's called Ratings and Reviews. And in that, you can give us anywhere from one to five stars. And you can even write a review or you can share the podcast with a friend. So I hope if you like it, you'll take time to share it, rate it. And we're also always eager to hear what you think directly. So don't hesitate to drop us a line. You can email us at hello at bigduckNYC.com. That's hello at bigduckNYC.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Smart Communications Podcast, developing the voices of determined nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck.
Big Duck is an agency that puts smart communications in the hands of nonprofits. We help our nonprofit clients develop strong brands, strong campaigns, and strong teams that advance their missions and achieve their goals. Connect with us at bigduckNYC.com.